Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. jump straight into the Bible as I share to you today. Um, And I'm going to go to a book called Philippians. If you've got your Bible, I do encourage you to read it along on yours. It it always makes a difference, I think, having it actually in front of you. You can get it on your phone, free Bible app. But we're going to go Philippians 4 and uh, verse 6 to 7. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Does anybody want that kind of peace today? The kind of peace that goes beyond anything you could understand, the kind of peace that guards your heart. Well, to get that peace, to get that peace from verse seven, we have to go through verse six, which says, don't worry about a thing. Instead, pray about everything. I was uh, prepping yesterday in the office, and I do that thing which everybody does when you've got a deadline and you're busy and you're thinking there's this whole kind of everyone's going to need to hear something tomorrow. Uh, And your brain kind of distracts you and you end up on Facebook, don't you? Watching random videos. So I realized I'd lost about 45 minutes by just the videos going through the stream. But at the end, I got to this video, which was really, really good. (laughs) And I thought, oh, it was worth it. And I tried to download the video, but I couldn't. So I'm going to share it with you as if it was my story, but it isn't my story. This was a video that I saw of Will Smith. And he was talking about fear, and he was talking about his experiences. And he was talking in this interview. And I wanted to share what he said. So he said, said, imagine, imagine you're out with your mates, and you're in the pub. And everyone's having a few drinks. Uh, and then one of the mates goes, hey guys, let's go skydiving tomorrow. Let's all jump out of an airplane. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds like an amazing idea. Uh, and you kind of go back home and you get back after the night out and you're, you're sitting in your room and you suddenly realize that you've just agreed to jump out of an airplane, which is like, dumb. <laughs> like, who jumps out of an airplane? What's, what's that about? And you're, you're in your bedroom and it's like you suddenly start thinking it through. Uh, and it's whirring around your head and, you, and, and your brain is going mad and, and you try to go to sleep but you can't because your head is just going over time, right? And then you wake up in the middle of the night with like your heart, heart palpitations. You're like, this is crazy. And you wake up the next day and you've got bags under your eyes because you've not slept well at all. Uh, and you go and you're, and you're like, you're secretly hoping that none of your mates are going to turn up, but they all turn up because none of them want to be the one who doesn't turn up. And so you're all there and you're all like, oh no, this is... What we're going to do, but everyone's putting on the brave face. And, and then they start talking about like pulling the, the cord and, and what to do if the parachute doesn't come out. And you're thinking, well, why would the parachute not come out? This, is, this isn't a good idea. But, but all your friends seem up for it and they're joking and, and they're kind of they're having a bit of banter and making fun of each other. And so, so you kind of go along with it and the next thing you know, you're in, you're in an airplane and you're strapped to a guy. Uh, and, and you're trying to like, not be awkward that you're sitting on a guy's lap for a flight, which is weird. But you're going up in an airplane and, and then suddenly somebody opens the door and you realize that that's the first time in your life you've ever been in an airplane with the door open. And you're bricking it. 
and finally the guy comes and he shuffles you to the front and, and your heart is going crazy and, and he counts and he says on three we're going to jump he says one, two and then he pushes you because you'll grab on at three so he pushes you at two and you fall out of the plane <laughs> and what he said was the first thing that you realise as you fall out of the plane is how blissful it is how peaceful it is it's, it's not the craziness, it's, it's the beauty of being able to see the whole world. And as I watched this video, he finished it by saying something which just got my head thinking so much. He said, why is it that God places everything good in life on the other side of fear? I was like, wow, Will Smith, that's profound. You see, up until that point, none of that worrying made any difference. None of that worrying helped you. None of that worrying made your life any better. While you were up at night, that wasn't helping you in any way. The only time when you really needed any fear was when you're falling out of the airplane. And yet, that was the moment of bliss. I think that we spend a lot of our time, a lot of our lives, worrying about the what-ifs. What if it all goes wrong? What if my kids go to school and they get bullied? What if the scars affect them as they grow up? What if I can't pay my bills? What if that, that meeting my boss wants me to have? What if, what if I, I lose my job? What if I go bankrupt? What if I lose my home? What if I walk into this room and nobody likes me? What if I stand here and I forget my talk and everyone's going to notice? And we get these what ifs and what ifs and what ifs and they don't help us. They just go round and round our head. Paul says, don't worry about anything. That word he uses, worry, is a Greek word. Uh, and it's called um, marinate. Marinate. And, and I like this word, not because it necessarily means anything. It just means worry. Uh, but I like it because marinate sounds like marinate. We marinate in our fear. We marinate in all of the worries of everything that could happen. It's like we stew, don't we? And we let that flavor come deep. Marinate, it also sounds a bit like knots to me, like marinate. Marinate, it's like our fears, they tie us in knots. And we find that our lives are affected by these worries and they shape the quality of our lives. They shape everything that we do. And yet what if on the other side of this fear is the place that you've been dreaming about? Is the life that you've been hoping for? What if acceleration is actually on the other side of this fear. You see, Paul's talking about peace in this passage. He's talking about a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. And I think we sometimes don't really understand peace. We think of peace as being like a still sea. You know, like a beach and it's beautiful. But Paul talks about a peace. He talks about a peace which looks like jumping out of an airplane. He talks about a peace that isn't avoiding the storms. It's a peace which is like falling asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. Yeah. You know, you might be sitting and being like, yeah, but the things that I worry about, the stuff that, that occupies my head, like this isn't like hypothetical problems. These are real situations. Like I'm really going to jump out of that airplane. My kids are really in a bad school. My boss really does have it in for me. You might be thinking like you don't realize how bad it actually is. But I don't think we realize how bad it was for Paul writing this letter. 
in prison, and it's not the nice kind of British prisons where they give you an Xbox 360 in your cell. Like this was the old Roman prisons. This was beatings and chains. This was discomfort. This was awful situation. In prison, he is writing these words. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray for everything. So I believe that God wants to help us to overcome these worries, to, to get past these fears, and that there's a way that we can brave these waves. So I want to read a story for you today. And it's a story about Jesus, and it's a story about a storm, and it's a story about a boat. And it's a story I think lots of us know. Um, but it's found in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Uh, please look it up. And um, it comes at a point where Jesus has been doing loads of teaching. He has been teaching on, um, on, on like a farmer who throws out seeds. And he's talking about environments. He, he's kind of saying to the disciples, do you know what our hearts are environments? You know, the way that we are, it affects the seeds that God can grow in our lives. It affects the power that God wants to work in us is the, the environment of our hearts. So he's been talking a lot about seeds. He talks about mustard seeds and how they can grow fast. And then after all of this teaching, he's shattered and he says, like, let's get away. Let's, let's get across this lake because I've got something I need to do on the other side. So we're going to jump in verse 35 and read through to 41. It says, as the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. I love that interesting little detail, like why is he telling us that other boats followed? You see, the book of Mark uh, was a letter written, but it's thought that most of the content came from Peter, who's one of the disciples. I think that they're putting this in because he's not saying this is just a story that I've heard about. He's not saying this is like a rumor, this is a myth or a legend. He's actually putting in details to show us this is an eyewitness account. This is a story that actually happened. You know, this is how Peter described it. He said there were other boats that came too. And so it might seem like just a random little detail, but it's important. It says, verse 7, Soon a fierce storm came up, high waves breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I think I know two things about storms and boats. One is if you're in a boat and it's a storm and there's water coming into your boat, that's a bad sign. The second thing I know about boats is if you have fishermen in the boat and they're freaking out, that's a bad sign. And Jesus is having a nap. So the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna drown? And Jesus wakes up and he's like, oh, is it morning? He rebukes the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Incredible. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. What an absolutely crazy, incredible story which makes little to no sense to me. I read this and I, I, I'm just, it just fills me with questions. Like, like Jesus, the Bible describes him as the word. The Bible says it was, it was Jesus who created the world. It was Jesus' word that, that spoke the wind into being. 
Like Jesus must have known these weather patterns. You'd, you'd think. I mean, that's what I think. And, and he takes them into the middle of the storm. Why would he do that? Why would he be so cross with the disciples? When I read this story, it doesn't, I don't read it like Jesus is all angry. Like, why did you wake me up? It's, it's more like my dad. I'm not angry, disciples. I'm just disappointed. And that's what it feels like. It's like. He's disappointed in them, isn't he? It's like, why is Jesus so disappointed that they're freaking out in the middle of a storm? It makes no sense. I think we would all freak out in a storm. I, I have a thing where I eat no fish. Uh, I don't often, I have these situations all the time. I go around people's houses for lunch. I forget to tell them and they make me fish. And I'm like, oh, I don't eat fish. And it's awkward and it's bad. And I was thinking just this week as I was thinking of the story about this thing that I don't eat fish. And, and I tracked it back because when I was a kid, I loved fish. I ate fish all the time, fish sandwiches, fish cakes, uh, fish, just fingers, you know, everything to do with fish, I'd eat it. And then I remembered one trip to France and I was on a boat and there was a storm and I was eating fish and I got to revisit that fish again and again and again. And I've never really wanted to see fish again in my life. It didn't make for a pleasant experience. Like, this was not fun. This was not good. This was not a joyful experience. Yet Jesus is disappointed. And I don't think he's disappointed about the storm. I don't think he even cares about the storm. He's like, storm, shut up. Like, we're not talking to you. This isn't about you, storm. Just be quiet because there's something else going on here. He's like, guys, where is your faith? You know, I think for us... It's much less about the environments that we go through in life, so much as our attitude and our heart within them. You know, we can make storms everywhere we go. We have storms that rage on the inside, and they're a lot more dangerous than the storms that rage around us. So I want today to give you five, five ways, and I've stolen all of these from an amazing preacher called Stephen Furtick, but he gives five ways that we create storms in our lives. The first one is with our words. The words that you choose create storms in your life. Joel Austin says that words are like seeds, that you plant them and as you speak them, you water them, and then you become the words that you've said. Words are powerful. You know, there's times in your life when, when you don't feel excited. There's times in your life when you feel afraid. Do you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I feel afraid almost every Sunday standing in front of you guys. There's days before when I'm, when I'm thinking about it and I'm like, what am I going to say to these guys? Like, like some of you have been Christians for longer than I've been alive. And I'm not that young anymore either, I'm afraid to say. You know, and, and I speak to you and you're, I'm like, you guys have so much faith. You guys have so much wisdom. There's so much profound thoughts and theology. Like, where I'm so often encouraged by what God is doing through people's lives. And then I sit there and I'm like, what am I going to say to these people? But I don't let those thoughts become words. Because if I turn those thoughts into words, I feed them. So what I say is, I say, I'm expecting God to speak through me today. And it might not be about me, it's about God. Yeah. And it's about God's word coming through my voice. Yeah. 
So I don't speak out those words. The people who have the biggest confidence issues, if you have a confidence, if you have a conversation with them, they will say the most damaging things about themselves. They'll say things about themselves that you would never say about anybody else. We've just started a new rule in my house. We have a zero tolerance bullying rule. And I've had to say to my kids that that includes bullying ourselves. If you say things about yourself, which I think are bullying, then you lose your privileges. The words you say to yourself are powerful. Second way that we create waves in our lives is our approach. Often it's not so much about the situation, it's about the approach. You know, you can be stressed at work all day because the traffic was insane. But if you knew that the traffic is always insane, then you've got the wrong approach. You could have just left 15 er minutes earlier and had an easier start to the day. Or another example might be, um, perhaps you're like thinking, I don't want to go to this party because people aren't going to like me. No one's going to want to be my friend here. No one's going to speak to me. And then you arrive at the party. What do you do? You go and sit at the edge in the corner all by yourself. And guess what? No one speaks to you. You go home, you're like, I was right. No one spoke to me. It wasn't, it wasn't the party that was the problem. It was your approach. You approached it the wrong way. Today I arrived here and I had no PowerPoint. Uh, I'd forgotten to upload it onto Dropbox and I was sitting here and I was thinking, what do I do? I want to show them this lovely thing I've done with the WAVES, which is going to be really memorable for them, but I can't do that without a PowerPoint. But I have an approach on Sunday mornings that I arrive 90 minutes early. So that if anything goes wrong, I've got time to fix it and sort it out. So if you get your approach right, it means that the storms don't need to affect you in the same way. The third thing, the third way that we create storms in our lives are the voices, the voices that we listen to, the words of people who have spoken over your life. You know, sometimes I think we just walk around wide open. We think that everybody can just say stuff and that's okay. We leave ourselves vulnerable, but not everybody should get to speak into your life. Yeah. Not everybody should be accepted for what they want to say about you. We live in a world where just the information we get is insane. Do you know, you don't need to know every detail about ISIS. You don't need to know every single problem that is affecting humanity. Knowing every issue about trafficking is just going to get you stressed. I'm not saying that there aren't problems in the world that we need to fix. But sometimes all of these voices, all of these information that we receive, we have to know when we just say stop and I'm going to pull away. We receive more information than anybody else has in history. Sky News 24-7 is not your friend. Be careful what voices you're letting feed your life. We need to be hearing from the word of God. We need to be hearing from Jesus every single day. The fourth way is our expectations. How often in life do we just come with the complete wrong expectation? We expect it to be one thing and it's something completely different. Like, I don't know what the disciples were thinking in this boat. Probably like they were just going to go across the lake and, and they didn't see the storm coming. I meet people and they become Christians and, and then like two weeks later they're like, oh, I'm following Jesus and now it's like the worst time of my life. Well, of course it is. Because as soon as you start following Jesus, you suddenly become a threat. You know, we don't follow Jesus and expect this fairy dust fantasy lives. We follow Jesus and we expect to enter a war zone. We expect there to be conflict. We expect there to be battles. We expect there to be stuff that we're pushing against. 
And so we have to start our days right, expecting that there's going to be battles. I don't know about you, but I read the Bible every single morning. Some people tell me I'm not a morning person, so I read it at night. For me, that doesn't work. I need the Bible in the morning because I don't know what's coming in my day. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I start expecting to need Jesus to speak to me right off the cuff. You know, you'll be there and you read the Bible and it'll be like, oh, I've got this peace today. And then suddenly you get to work and you're like, oh, now I know why I needed that peace. You'll read something in the morning, you'll be like, speaking to someone later, oh, now I know why I read that story. Now I know because I can give this to you. You have to expect that there is stuff that God wants you to do in this day which you're going to need to be ready for. The fifth way that we create waves in our lives is through shame. Shame. Shame is literally letting our past dictate our present. So many of us, we walk around and it's like we have, we have this weight of shame on our back. And it's like, what if people find out? What if people know what I did? What if people know what I've done? What if, what if, what if they hear about me? What if they know that I'm, I'm really this and I'm really that? And what shame does is it takes an action and it turns it into an identity. It takes a behavior and it makes you say, I am this problem. I want to tell you today, you are not your actions. You are not your behavior. Yep. You know, the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated us. God does not see that stuff. He just looks at you and says, this is my son. This is my daughter and I am so pleased with you. Yeah. Don't let your past dictate your future. And so we walk around and we, we stir up these waves. These waves that, that, that create storms inside our hearts. And everywhere we go, it's like they emanate from us. They affect people around you when you're short. When you're harsh, when you're snappy, when you're sharp. The way that you, you change a room by the storm that you've actually brought. And you don't need to. I think that this is such an incredible story. I, I think about those disciples in that moment. And what they must have been thinking about Jesus. And suddenly they realize, like, who is this? that is in our boat. Like it makes absolutely no sense that they would be stressed out when they have got Jesus in the boat. Do you remember the other boats that I was telling you about that went out into the sea with them? When I read this story, I often wonder about those guys because they would have been in the storm as well, right? What do you think they were doing in the storm? The Bible doesn't tell us, but, but this is my guess. My guess is that they were in the storm looking at the disciples. That they were in the storm looking at the disciples to see how they were responding to the storm. And so the disciples are freaking out and all the boats around them are watching the disciples freak out. You know, we have storms in our lives and all the people around us are watching us. They're watching how we deal with those situations. Yeah. How we approach them. And, and if we freak out, they're going to look and they're going to say, but I thought you had Jesus in your boat. How come you're reacting the same way as me? I thought you had Jesus in your boat. Why are you so freaked out about the school situation? I thought you had Jesus in your boat. Why are you worried that you lost your job? 
You see that the way that we affect the storms, the way that we live in the storms, it affects everybody else around us as well. So I want to give you some practical stuff today. Five more points. Ten is my maximum I've ever done in my life, so I'm glad you're on this journey with me. This is going to be the start of things to come, ten-point sermons. We're going to go five ways, five ways to calm that storm. Five ways to brave the waves. Are you ready? Number one, breathe. Just breathe. In that moment when your heart goes crazy, when your head is rushing, just pause and breathe. Do you know the Bible tells us that the name of God is Yahweh? And lots of, lots of Jewish theologians tell us that the reason they believe that the name was Yahweh is because it's the sound of breath. Yahweh. Of course, it'd be weird if you always said it like that. <laughs> but if you pause and you breathe, every breath is a reminder that God is with you, that Jesus is in the boat. Yeah. So you just breathe. And then you can look back and you can remember. Remember the times you've been in storms before. Remember the times when you've got to the other side. Remember the way that Jesus has always been there and he's always rescued it. Remember the times when you felt lost, but then you didn't realize you were right at the edge of the breakthrough. So we look back and we remember. You know, this is why we tell stories in church. This is why we share our testimonies, because I can remember your stories too. I can remember how God has helped you in the craziest of situations as well. So we look back and we remember. And it's at this point that you can ask Ask Jesus. You know, Jesus, I don't think he was upset because they asked him to stop. He asked them for help. He wasn't upset. You know, Philippians 4, this is what it tells us, isn't it? It it says, you know, don't worry. Pray. Pray. And be thankful. So we ask. We say, Jesus, help. And thank you. And please. And thank you. And please. And thank you. And please. And thank you. Jesus, thank you. We have a boat. But help us because it's in a storm. Thank you, Jesus, that we'll get to the other side. But please, make the storm stop. So we ask. We ask. We say, please and thank you. Please and thank you. And then we visualize. The thing is, when you're in the middle of the storm, is it's so hard to see the other shore. And so as we're praying, we start to think about that other shore. We think about the promises that God has made on our lives. We think about where we know he's taking us. We think about the patterns and where this is leading us. And so we can have hope. We can have peace because we visualize the other side. And we know where this boat is going to take us. And the final fifth thing that you can do in the middle of a storm is elevate the situation. You elevate. Scientists will tell you that in in atmospheric pressure, it's relieved in elevation. When an airplane hits a storm, it it won't just accept the storm. If it can, it will elevate and go over the clouds. See, so often we're in a storm and we think we just have to deal with the storm. But instead, we can elevate our perspective. You know, Jesus, who created the world, is in your boat. 
You know, God who raises from the dead is in your boat. And so, so we don't have to accept the situation. We can pull back. We can elevate. And we can look at the size of God and then compare it to the size of the storm. We can look at the love of God and compare it to the danger of the storm. I think we spend so long in the what ifs. What if it all goes wrong? What if, if people don't like me? What if this doesn't happen? What if I quit my job and, and then the dream is never fulfilled? What if my kids are scarred for life? What if, what if, what if? But how about we change those what ifs to even ifs? Even if the worst happens, I'm still going to worship God. Come on. Even if I lose my job and I have to sell my house and my car, I'm still going to praise Jesus. Even if everything goes wrong and it's worse than my worst fears, God is still God. Yeah. And he is still on the throne and I'm still going to praise him. Yeah. You know, we don't praise God because our situation is good. We praise God because God is good. Yeah. So even if it goes wrong, even if it's not what I want, even if everything is as bad as it could possibly be, I'm going to raise my praise. I'm going to fix my focus. You know, the thing about worry, the thing about fear is it is a focus stealer. It fascinates us. Think about the fights that you watch on television. Think about horror movies. You hate it, but you can't look away. It takes all of your focus. We need to fix our focus. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on the healer. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution. Don't focus on what's gone wrong. You need to focus on the Savior. Fix your focus. And so it doesn't matter what storm is on that lake. To be honest, this story isn't even about the storm. It's about Jesus. It's about them realizing who Jesus is. Let's stand together. yourself tied up in knots? Does your head just click and tick and keep going and you can't stop it? Like what are you worried about? What waves are you creating? And do you realize that they affect everybody around you? Let's focus on the Father. Let's sing to our Saviour. We're going to take a moment now. And, and whatever's happening, I'm not telling you that the storms aren't real. I'm telling you that God is. So let's lift our voices. Let's fill our lungs. Let's raise our hands. And let's sing worship to the God who made it all. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.